Van Halen, that band that was once described as restoring hard rock to the forefront of the music scene, explored the intricacies of the human experience when David Lee Roth belted out, ah, might as well jump, go ahead and jump, might as well jump, go ahead and jump, jump. Who could be at the door at this hour? It better not be. Oh no, no, it's Spring Hill Jack! Welcome to this physically exhilarating episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. As we shine up our Sunday's best, vault into the streets of the 1800s, London, and jump into the mystery of Spring-Heeled Jack. I'm already wiping the sweat off my brow from all this movement. This is once again Matt, joined by aspiring Olympic gymnast Angel. How's the routine coming along this time? Well, you know, it's kind of hard with the, with the whole living in an apartment thing and all. And, you know, the pandemic, you know, it's, it's it's coming along. I guess the postponement of the games, too. So you got some time. Oh, yeah. I've got plenty of time to train. There's this uh, little little routine I like to go through. It requires a lot of running and a lot of sitting. So it's sitting and running, really. It's sit and run, sit and run. Since, like I said, I'm in an apartment, it's just sitting, mostly. Sitting, yeah. yeah. No time for the running. You're right. just focusing on the sitting. Yeah. It's got to have the mental capacity for these games. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I understand. Well, before we stretch out our muscles, get that heartbeat into the target zone, sweat like Hogzilla in a sauna, and explore the uniquely agile Spring-Heeled Jack, let's take a look at the journey that has brought us here so far. We thought that entering into episode six, now would be a good time to remind everyone of what our ranking of these cryptids looks like so far. So we had a bit of an exciting one last week. We had the crowning of a new reigning defending champion known as the Hodag. So that was a fun time. Did not expect it at all. Did not, no. So out of a possible 20 points, that's the highest any cryptid could ever get, according to the rubric of power, the Hodag got 12.75 points to have first place honors. Next up, the former champion, Skunk Ape at 12 and a half points so just behind good old hodag following the skunk ape we have mdw the mongolian deathworm at 11 and a half points in fourth place we have mothman at 10 and finally sitting in last is hogzilla at nine and a half points so angel what are your initial thoughts for the rankings so far do you think it's a uh, honest ranking i think it is pretty honest i am a little disappointed that the deity hog creatures did not surpass <laughs> Mothman, but I'm sure some people are out, th- out there are happy about that one. I'm not, <laughs> but whatever. I am a Nephilim sleeper agent, so I brought the score down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would. Who knows? There might be a new champion or a new bottom-of-the-barrel cryptid after tonight's episode. We'll see what happens. I think so far the scores, they have been very, very close. Hodag. Only 0.25 higher than Skunk Ape, so extremely close. And MDW, not that much further behind. So top three 
cryptids very very close call it's almost like a photo finish <laughs> this this you know it makes me wonder like is there a super cryptid out there that will get a really high score i mean it's i feel like once we took care of the skunk ape which is kind of like a bigfoot i mean uh, what can top that you know yeah well now we know the hodag topped it <laughs> we weren't expecting that at all yep maybe spring jack it's his day to shine right now sure hope so <laughs> he can spring his way to the top <laughs> yes he can Bring his way to our hearts, really. <laughs> that's that's where the cryptids are ranking so far, and many, many more cryptids in the future. So that list is going to expand quite a lot. With that said, though, let's jump into our selected entity for the week, Springheel Jack. Now, this is a figure that I have never in my life heard of prior to researching for this episode. To give those of you out there that are most likely in the same boat, let's take a moment to outline exactly what this nimble entity looks like. Springheeled Jack is said to be a tall, thin humanoid with disturbing devil-like facial features, such as an, an exceedingly big smile. He has metal-clawed fingertips, and his hands are described to be as cold and clammy as a corpse, and can sometimes have red balls of fire for eyes. He wears a black cloak with a helmet and a tight-fitting white garment, which is said to be an oil skin, and I had to look into it because I had no idea what an oil skin is. And that is the type of material that fishermen typically wear, sort of like a water repellent. And we normally see it as an overcoat and bright yellow. But in Spring Hill Jack's day, it was tight fitting and white. I think of the fisherman on the salt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I'm glad you said eyes right after you said red red balls because I, <laughs> I was going the other way. <laughs> oh, boy. Spring Hill Jack. <laughs> the Spring Hill Flasher. <laughs> he uh, is also sometimes described as wearing a mask or metal armor, but almost always described by wearing black polished shoes. And this is a sort of frustrating thing with Springheel Jack, as descriptions don't stop there. Sightings have been attributed to him saying that he's a ghostly image of a white bull, a white bear, a ghostly warrior clad in armor, and probably about a hundred other different variations of what he could be. So that's just scratching the surface of Springheel Jack and what he looks like. So what are your initial thoughts, Angel, on, I guess, the presentation of this entity in its formal wear? Well, it just sounds like that Springheel Jack is either a supervillain or a superhero, right? I don't know what he's done yet, but it just sounds like a dude wearing a suit. I had the same exact thoughts. <laughs> like, he's dressing up with his cape and his helmet i don't know why he has a helmet <laughs> and and any of the depictions that i saw really he never really had a helmet so i don't know where that description he's, comes from he's like the precursor to batman i don't even know what i think of maybe just like a because at the time it wasn't quite like a, a knight's helmet or anything like that and i don't know <laughs> the only other helmet i really think of is like a world war one or two helmets so <laughs> yeah i don't know and the idea to me is that it just seems to be all about the theatrical side of the unknown. Yeah. And really, even more so than the Hodag. And the Hodag was just created to be theatrics, really. Yep. So, I don't know. I'll go into this one maybe more later with the rubric of power. But also the idea that a lot of sightings for a spring Jack being retroactively associated with them really makes him quite the enigma. 
gonna we have our hands full i think <laughs> keeping spring hill jack down to the ground yeah with that being said let's polish our shoes get on our overcoats and dissect this cryptid like the victorian gentlemen that we are this is cotton eye joe's razor so where the hell did this entity spring hill jack even come from in my research for this it's pointing us to one specific time and we are actually traveling back into time back into the hodag's prime the 1800s spring hill jack was reportedly seen first in 1837 in england so to give us yanks somewhat of a reference here uh here are some things that were going on in the 1830s that you might also have no reference for at all as well so in 1833 andrew jackson won his second term as president that great andrew jackson oh boy (laughs) that getting that second term 1836 saw the battle of the alamo and in 1837 michigan became the 26th state so without that we never would have had a Pee Wee herman movie where the entire premise was for him to go to the alamo and get his bicycle back from the basement we have that going for us was that the the plot yeah, yeah, his his bike gets stolen. Or not stolen, it gets like on the back of a truck. And he has I, to I go remember find it. all of this. I don't remember the Alamo thing. Yeah, and then he, he goes to talk with a um uh, a psychic and the psychic yes. is like just making stuff up and she's like, You have to go to the Alamo and he's like, The Alamo <laughs> and he's like, My bike's there and she's she's like, Yeah, it's in the basement and the whole like end plot of the end part of the movie is that there is no basement in the alamo and then everybody laughs at Wee herman and he runs away oh and then like finds his bike yeah you, you have to go back and watch it it is a uh a study into the psyche of the human mind and <laughs> i'm in a, it for, a, I'm, a must see i'm in it for large marge <laughs> i know <laughs> that woman is iconic in my heart and scared the hell out of me as a child <laughs> But she was a nice, I guess. <laughs> she helped Pee Wee. Yep. So, ending the Pee Wee Herman talk, <laughs> the idea behind Spring Hill Jack is that it was some sort of entity, either a ghost, demon, devil, a man, or just something unknown that terrorized both London and really all of Great Britain from the 1830s well into the late 1800s and reportedly even into the 1900s as well. His main focus of his life as Spring Hill Jack. He would mainly target women traveling on their own in small groups, jump out at them, and claw at their clothes. One of the first reports indicated that Jack sprung from the shadows and started aggressively kissing a woman. In her efforts to get away, he clawed at her clothing, and the woman screamed for help. The entity then reportedly jumped away to elude capture. The extreme agility is related to almost every single encounter with Springhill Jack. I guess so far what we have is an entity jumping out to just assault people. A, a serial sexual harasser. Yep. And what the hell's going on in 1830s England here? People jumping out from the shadows kissing people. Come on, British yeah, that, people. Yeah, that's, that's uncouth behavior. It is. He was also known to jump over walls or onto the rooftop of a nearby building in the next escape only to then jump out at a new victim at a later time. It was reported that in these assaults, he would even have the ability to spew fire from his mouth, which would often cause people to just go into fits and cower from him. So that's a a general idea of Spring Hill Jack so far. So I was able to find a few theories related to it. 
The first one is a supernatural theory. So the idea that this entity was thought to be some sort of ghost that was terrorizing the area, or maybe some sort of devil that was summoned either by mistake or with purpose. Ooh. In the beginning of the 1800s, there were a ton of reports of ghostly sightings throughout London. And the conclusion was that Spring Hill Jack was the newest demonic spawn to walk the streets. So I sort of have a, uh, I guess, thought here because a lot of, say, ghostly sightings in, you know, America, Europe yeah. is often the ghost clad in Victorian era clothing. What do you think the people of that time of the Victorian era saw the, their ghosts as? Were they like in 1400s clothing? <laughs> Maybe it was in clothing that didn't go with the times. Obviously, that sounds exactly like what you said. Talking about reverse ghosting? <laughs> they saw future people? Future people, maybe? Past people? Who knows? Yeah. I guess any of the reports of the other ghosts, and there's never really a description of them. Either they were like uh, animals or or just what they thought Spring Hill Jack was as a supernatural entity, just a guy with a cape. So I guess of normal Victorian era clothing, it wasn't out of the ordinary, He had, but he had armor on too. So, I don't know. Interesting. The next theory is what I dubbed the, dude, bro, calm down. It's just a prank theory. <laughs> so, there is a theory that a group of young affluent men who possibly had lost a bet or just doing this all as a prank. The theory stems from one of the earliest encounters where a carpenter was attacked in an area called Cutthroat Lane. And just the idea that there was a place called Cutthroat Lane and someone would walk through it is intriguing to me but yeah. the cop <laughs> i don't know what he was doing but the car- carpenter ended up putting up a good fight and he and reported that as he was dealing with this first spring hill jack entity two more sprung from the shadows to attack him so this theory would help explain also uh, just that there were multiple people but then any disguise differences in all these different encounters the idea being that they're all just separate people pulling pranks and there is no, like, um, this is what the costume for Spring Hill Jack is, so that's why there are so many variances in, in the descriptions. Yeah. The newspaper The Sun reported without seemingly any evidence at all that there were bets from aristocratic families in the amount of 5,000 pounds to destroy not less than 30 human beings' lives. Specifically, it should include eight old bachelors, ten old maids, eight ladies' maids, and as many servant girls as possible. So I suppose in 1830s, life had become so boring for the elite class that they just decide to ruin the lives of these the working class even more so than they had before. Now they're just doing it as a seemingly supernatural being spewing fire at them and ripping their clothes off. Maybe they were bored or maybe they were doing something more sinister. Delving into the occult arts. That sounds like a theory to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm forming one. I'm forming one as you tell me these. Uh-huh. The next one that uh, I encountered was the E.T. theory. So there is an idea that Spring Hill Jack was some sort of alien that either got stuck or just happened to come to 1830s England. People that suggest this theory, they say that it helps explain the fire breathing and superhuman agility of Spring Hill Jack. But I think in, against this theory, I've never heard of any alien encounter where the alien 
spews fire at people or really has superhuman agility. They, it always seems like they, um, at least with alien encounters and things like that from uh, people that say they've been abducted, that they're like frozen in, in place and the aliens move super slow, not some sort of jumping over buildings. I don't know. Or shooting fire from their mouth. I mean, the only uh, agile aliens I know were brought to um, mainstream audiences in recent times, like uh, the alien films. But prior mm-hmm. to that, it's like you said, they're all slow moving grays. Yep. Little Those... tiny baby <laughs> aliens that are like three feet tall. Yeah. Uh, another thought that I had from this theory, though, is that it could tie into the ultra terrestrial theory or alternate dimension theory of the Mothman with the idea being that Jack is simply from another reality. So bringing in a theory from a former cryptid and applying it this time. So maybe, maybe Jack is the Mothman. You know, I didn't think about that, but I guess a possibility. He seemed to plague this uh, uh, London in the greater area for a long time. So maybe he was getting his feet wet, seeing how he should uh, try to warn people in the future. And, (laughs) He learned, don't attack them and tear their clothes off. Let yeah, me just that's, that's warn them That's not the way afar. to do it. <laughs> he learned his lesson. He's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't attack them. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he really didn't learn his lesson because people still thought he was attacking them. <laughs> this was the Mothman. Then they flee. I, I, I think he fails to realize that it's his appearance that is alarming. <laughs> I know. He can't get that damn appearance down. He's just scaring people too much. He's too flashy. <laughs> The last theory that that I really saw was really the skeptic theory. The idea being that this was all a story that got completely out of control and the media of the time just ran with it. Newspapers went wild. It became so hysterical that people just attribute any odd encounter or experience to Spring-Hill Jack. He was often, as I said before, retroactively associated with strange occurrences in the past and the legend just grew and grew and grew. One story that I specifically found stated that a woman scared out of her mind ran up to a police officer and basically just said, she's like, I saw it. I saw the beast. And then she grabbed the police officer. They both ran to where uh, the lady saw it. And when they got there, the officer's like, what the hell is going on? In front of him, another officer sitting upon a white horse. So this lady somehow confused a man on top of a horse as Spring Hill Jack. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, newspapers at the time attributed that story to a Spring Hill Jack sighting. So it's just it's sort of this idea that they anything that happened was Spring Hill Jack, damn it. If, if you see a shadow and you report it the, to, to the, I guess, the newspapers, they'll be like, well, let's just say it's Spring Hill Jack. Yep. He now has the ability to just <laughs> show us a shadow. <laughs> Beyond that, one thing that I did look at throughout my research on this was a book called The Legend of Spring-Hill Jack, Victorian Urban Folklore and Popular Cultures by a person named Carl Bell, written in 2012. I think the majority of like that story that I just stated, that came from his book. Carl also goes on to really suggest that reports really started four months before the sightings in London, really before Spring-Hill Jack was even a name that popped up on an, out of anyone's mouths. So in the village of Barnes at that time, it was a very small village on the outskirts of London, had rumors spreading of a ghost that was in the shape of a large white bull, which seemingly only attacked women. Then stories sort of get, start getting closer to the city of London, 
as it continues on, it take, then takes the shape of a white bear that also attacked people. And then as it continues on, it becomes a story of an unearthly visitor in the form of an imp or a devil. And then finally, before it gets to London, an unearthly warrior clad in brass armor, spring shoes, and clawed gloves. And it was given the name Steel Jack at the time. And then after that, it finally went into London and became the entity known as Spring Hill Jack. So I thought it was kind of neat that Bell is able to find so many stories related to it to sort of give a, a, like a, a moving path towards London and just the, I guess, the beginning of the lore of Spring Hill Jack. Was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Other things that I saw that are sort of related to this uh, skeptic side of it, Carl Bell mentions, is that John Cowan, the Lord Mayor of London, sort of gave the entity validation when he responded to the claims of this assailant in the area. The Lord Mayor, he was unwilling to help in the matter at all, and he was quoted as saying, since the terrible vision had not entered the city, he could not take cognizance of its inquities. Inquities, I had to look it up because I had no idea what that word was. It's immoral or unfair behavior. So basically, the Lord Mayor was saying he really only has control of London. He can't do anything else. And since it's not in his town, he's like, eh, it's not here. And really, this is all dog shit anyways. So he didn't want to deal with it. Except, unfortunately for the Lord Mayor, he never said the part of it all being malarkey. He just sort of entertained the idea and made a statement. And then because of that, the newspapers at the time, they picked up on it just as his acknowledgement of the entity. And then they ran with the story and really opened the doors for people to start reporting sightings or weird occurrences that could be attributed to Spring Hill Jack. Uh, I'd like to add that I want my title to be Lord Mayor from now on. You're, you're shedding, uh, at this point, Professor. <laughs> Famed pig aficionado, I think. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, Paul Bunyan cosplayer. You yep. are now Lord Mayor of Krypton. Don't, don't forget uh, gymnast. And yep, Olympic, Olympic gymnast. gymnast. Yes. Man, you have such an interesting life. <laughs> was it the Dos Equis guy? That yeah. was like the most interesting man in the world. You yeah. are now the most interesting man in the world. I always have been. That guy's a fake. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> he beat you out for the spokesman of yes. uh, Dos Equis. <laughs> You've hated them ever since. <laughs> so those are the, the theories that I was able to pinpoint associated to Spring Hill Jack. So it gives us an idea of where he came from. So let's continue on with where did he go? So did Spring Hill Jack just jump away and never be seen again? Sightings continued for years. Unfortunately, a lot of them were sightings uh, and were just really copycats of Spring Hill Jack. One story that I found was a man, he entered the White Lion Pub, announced to the landlady that he was spring Jack, <laughs> pulled out a club, and tried to pummel her with it. So the story doesn't go anywhere beyond that, of sort of why he even announces that he's spring Jack, <laughs> why he's coming in to pummel the landlady, and why he's doing it with a club. So a lot of <laughs> things left out of that story that I'm very interested in. There's also a person by the name of Charles Grenville. He was a very tall and he was described in quotes as ill-favored young uh, man. He imitated the stories and pranked numerous women and children. Beyond that, another man was caught where uh, he was trying to scare a woman while he wore a white sheet and a hideous mask. The girl ran away but knew who it was based on his voice. And I think later on he had to pay a fine associated with it of, of what he had done scaring this woman. 
So one of the things I've learned is that in, in Victorian England, most crimes were just, uh, you just paid a fine and then you'd be on your way again. I, 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 <laughs> that's what I saw almost every single time. I was like, uh, pay a fine and get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so then sightings continued well into the 1840s. In 1849, newspapers ran a story of a butcher who missed his train just by seconds, but he was able to, to hoof it. He leapt onto the back as it pulled away. He remained on the outside of the train for several miles, pressed up against the glass door. The train guard nearly went into fits, thinking spring Jack was on the back of the train as he got back there, seeing this dude stuck to the glass. <laughs> but eventually he realized it was not spring Jack and helped him into the train. A poor butcher being also attributed to spring Jack on the back of a train. And it was also sort of reported like he was hanging off and his, like, yeah. his, his clothes were flapping in the wind and people thought it was Spring Hill Jack right. as, the, as the train went by on the back of the train. But this is kind of like an unsighting, right? Because it was, it was then later noted that he's, it wasn't him. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> but the way that they're always uh, reported in the newspaper, though, it's like Spring Hill Jack sighting. And then you <laughs> read it and it's like, oh, no, it's not. It's just some butcher on the back of a train. <laughs> 1849 newspapers, not the known for their integrity, I suppose. <laughs> much, maybe much like today, I don't know. <laughs> so the other thought that I had, though, was before the entity known as Florida Man, it seems in the 1800s, it was London Man. Oh. Just doing some stupid crap, always getting <laughs> caught, and then the newspapers reported about it and said, this is a stupid thing this guy did. He tried to scare women and children wearing a, a sheet. So London man moved. Yeah, London man became Florida man. The one thing that I do want to bring up, though, is something that I thought was kind of interesting, was that it was at this time that horror was being introduced as a pleasure. So what I mean by that is there's a professor, her name's E.J. Cleary, refers to something called artificial terror, which really became an industry in the 1790s, spearheaded by the first wave of Gothic novels. So the Victorian era was seen as a intensification into the ideals of control and the idea is that the monstrous represented the uncontrollable this played into then the concept of newspapers loving this story this the uncontrollable out there they reported upon it and it helped actually fill out their pages in the newspaper and then also sell copies because they could just do a little blurb on spring hill jack sighting and then fill out a page on it <laughs> beyond that though things started to get a bit iffy as far as new sightings for spring Jack into the 1880s, when a much more popular Jack starts ripping through the streets and captures the attention of London. Ooh, a scarier Jack. A scarier emphasis on ripping <laughs> Jack. <laughs> so that's sort of where spring Jack went. There went other stories uh, continuing on to the 1900s, though, of sightings, but really definitely died down um, going into the 1880s. Any thoughts on... Where Spring Hill Jack went? Not only do I have thoughts of where he went, I will now reveal to you what I think the whole thing is. Dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute dog shit. So, in your theories, you mentioned it could have been... Yeah, they weren't my theories. <laughs> I'm just reporting. In, the in Matt's theories... <laughs> yes, those are all my theories. I believe in all of them equally, all at the same time. <laughs> mentioned uh, Supernatural... You mentioned... Um, aliens. Aliens. There's this other one with a guy. I think you mentioned the, the, the nobleman. Somebody dressed yep, up. Yep, the aristocratic families. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I believe I've figured this thing out. It's a combination okay. of a lot of these ideas. Okay. Okay. So I want to start. I'm just going to give it right away because you need to follow this train of logic. I believe that <laughs> it was the, a semi-immortal pig people. <laughs> <laughs> the spring Jack is Jack the Ripper. Now. Okay. Now hear me out. Now, yes, the, the name Jack is used to refer to any man, apparently in Britain. You just, if you don't know this guy's name, you just say it's oh, this guy Jack. But I believe this Jack is the same Jack in Jack the Ripper. In order for me to make this connection, I also have to identify who the Spring Hill Jack is, which therefore means I have uncovered the true identity of Jack the Ripper. So this is a my God twofold <laughs> alert the press <laughs> this, breaking news. All right, this mm -hmm. is coming out straight out of this podcast. You know, a fair content warning. This is the story is going to get a little bit into the seedy side, seedier side of things. So if you're a little squeamish about some graphic details, mm -hmm. you know, be cautious. So anyway, the Spring Hill Jack was said to be this um, nobleman. Henry Bursford, the third Mar Marquess of Waterford. And it's believed by a lot of the historians that it probably was him at first. And then a bunch of copycats did their thing. Yeah, like the white lion pub club and the landlady. Yeah. And the reason they say this is because Henry died on, in 1859. And sightings of the Spring Hill Jack continued long after that. Mm-hmm. Henry, though, here's uh, the reason they believe Henry was uh, the Spring Hill Jack is because he was known for being a kind of a prankster. In fact, it's Henry that gave us the phrase to paint the town red. He loved to get into fights. He loved to get drunk and get into fights. He he was known. He There's a story of him getting, sneaking into a lady's, one of the ladies' cabins in a ship. He disrespected the captain once he was caught. And then they were <laughs> yeah. yelling at him because he was drunk. So he just said, hey, I'm a nobleman. And they were like, oh, we're so sorry, but you were acting like a dick. So, so instead of kicking him off the ship, because they were originally going to just throw him overboard or whatever, because he was a nobleman, they, they just kept him uh, in a room until they arrived to their destination. And by the way, just saying you're a nobleman, I guess, gets you anywhere. Like You, know, you don't yes. need any proof whatsoever. <laughs> just like, hey, I'm, I'm a, a no nobleman. I'm a nobleman. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the new... Um, with like prank videos like dude it's just a prank it's yeah. supposed to make it all better yeah it's a prank everything's there's fine there's a camera over there it's a prank <laughs> I, always... I just ruined your your life but it's a prank dude <laughs> i would always see those and i'm like these people are like how do you that's not how you get away with shit but whatever <laughs> there's another occasion that he would smash several windows offered strangers money to fight him and then demanded a gentleman <laughs> on... he demanded a gentleman on horseback to pay the toll on the road to him instead of the, the toll keeper. <laughs> and, this guy's a jackass. <laughs> and then he would get into fights naked. <laughs> so so this man, he, this Henry, um, you know, a bit of a wild child. So in the beginning, there's an article that, that gave me all this information. Because I guess a lot of uh, newspapers back then like to print how people died. So they had all these things about them. They like to fill those pages. Yeah. So this, the, the the article started with Henry de la Poor Beresford was never supposed to be the third Marquess of Waterford. So he 
apparently, you know, he had an older brother and, and his father, you know, they all held the title. But when he turned 13, his older brother died from some some illness. Then two years later after after that, his two years after that, his father dies. And then Henry gets the title of, of the Marquess. I believe that Henry was a practitioner of the occult. There, I said it. Okay. He was initiated. Okay. Got my attention. He was initiated early on, and he, I can't find any articles that state this, so I'm just you know pure conjecture here. But I'm sure he's uh, done some sort of rituals that got his brother and his father to die, so that he can get this title. Oh, okay. yes. He was after the title. He's ruthless. I mean, the, the way this guy acts when he's older, as I you just heard. I mean, this guy doesn't care about anything. So yeah, he, he, he gets the title. Then he goes. He finishes his schooling. So um, once he's out of his schooling, he's in his early twenties, right? After that, he just became a party animal. You know, he was rich because he was an old woman, and he was a twenty-something-year-old <laughs> with no with no father and no brother to to you know pull in the reins. Yeah, couldn't no one to guide him. He was just a loose cannon <laughs> out in the streets of London. Exactly. So this is where he would get into trouble, and you know. He painted the town red. He literally took some red paint, painted a toll keeper's face. It was a different toll keeper, by the way. So he hates toll keepers, apparently. Yeah. Poor guy just doing his damn job. <laughs> yeah, and then he face went... painted red. By <laughs> a nobleman. <laughs> and then he went into the town and painted it red, like he with the paints that he found, and and all he had to do was pay a fine <laughs> when when they caught him. At some point, he started putting on a, a costume. This is the the Spring Hill Jack costume. He had shoes that had springs in them. He had uh, metal claws on his hands. And just like true to his nature, he would jump out from the shadows and accost women, apparently. He, he, he targeted a lot of young women. That's, that's what he liked to do in the uh, before he donned the cape. So. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't, I mean, I guess aside from trying to kiss them, he didn't try to do anything with them other than that is, is what I can tell. Mm-hmm. He would do this, and I believe this is part of his occult practices. He was invoking some kind of spirit, some animalistic spirit, to unleash his animal side because painting the town red and getting into fights wasn't enough for him. He needed something more. He needed to become this otherworldly creature, you know, kind of like Batman. Oh, I'm Bruce Wayne, but once he puts on the bat suit, he's like, oh, yeah. mysterious ninja. Transforms, yep. Yeah. Changes his whole psyche. Yeah. So this spirit, though. It was, it was a part of him, but also it wanted to be set free. And this spirit has an intelligence, and it says, I want out of this body. So the spirit starts messing with Henry's mind and starts tricking him. Hey, do this, do that. So all of his uh, uh, assaults got a little bit more risky because he needed the blood of a virgin, a sacrificial virgin. Okay. <laughs> so so that's why he that's why he targeted younger women. Yeah. Because uh-huh. they're more likely to be virgins. I'm assuming. <laughs> uh-huh. So there is a uh, Jane Alsop, the first uh I guess widely reported uh yep. attack where he apparently slashed at her face and arms. There's no mention of it, but I'm pretty sure slashing at somebody's face and arms means that you drew some blood and that's the virgin blood that was needed. Oh, okay. So, like, on it, like, his, just needed the blood on his yeah. metal claws. Yeah. That. Okay. So now that that creature, that spirit, has taken over. Henry does not realize it, but this spirit has control over him, 
And now, suddenly, he's got powers that weren't there before. Because the next attack, which happened a few days after, he's breathing fire <laughs> into this woman's <laughs> <Yes>. face <laughs> and blinding her and causing her to go into, uh, into fits. Into fits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he grew a sudden hatred for women almost overnight. And then it finally happened. Henry kills Maria Davies, a 13-year-old prostitute. So he, uh, he did the same thing. He blew fire at her face. And she was, you know, blinded and probably went into fits. He grabs her and throws her into Guaranteed. the sewer. Yep. And she drowns. So that's it. We already had the sacrificial blood. So the, the spirit was there. The killing, though, the murder, is what makes the spirit now corporeal. It is now capable of escaping Henry's body. So it needed a, a slaying of a human being to, to cross over. Exactly. Into, into exactly. And Henry realized what he had done. And he was like, oh, no. <laughs> he said he went too far. Oh, shit. <laughs> the bloodletting yeah. allowed the wraith to take full control of Henry's actions, but the murder set the wraith free. Okay. But it, but it was almost as if, though, as he was doing it, though, it, it needed him to go extra step, extra step, extra yes. step to keep doing more. So he wasn't really in control of his own body. Yes, point, right? exactly. And, and by the way, during this time, these stories have been going wild. So there's copycats going on. So the copycats are, are a thing. They're not the creature. But they just help confuse the matters more. Because now you have these people trying to do the same thing. Probably so, got a little spirit animal in them too, you know? I was going to say, do you think it was the entity trying to influence others to, yeah, you know, most con definitely. mass confusion? Most definitely. Take so, the heat off of it as it <laughs> comes into our plane of existence. Yeah. So this, you know, these sightings went on. Henry was a 20-something-year-old when um, in 18... I had the date somewhere, but whatever. By the time he died, 1859, he was, I think, 48. So, oh, he's a young man still. Yeah. So Henry dies... In 1859, by falling off of a horse, he hits his head against a tree and he was remained unconscious. The doctor then says he died from a concussion. Yikes. What a crappy way to die. Well, <laughs> the thing is, the Wraith creature continued, the spring Jack creature sightings mm -hmm. continued on. And that's because he split from him. But I don't think Henry died. I think the doctor lied. Oh, I think like he was sort of in on it because yeah. because he paid him. Really, Henry yeah. had a lot of money. He says, "I need to stop this wraith. I can't let it go on." I, he's drip, uh, uh, riddled with guilt, so he pays his doctor. He says, "Look, I'm gonna have a bad accident. You're gonna, you know, say I died." Mm -hmm. There's no horse. There's, there's nobody else there to corroborate. But the thing is, his his faking his death. Well, here's the thing. Did he fake his death or did he really die but then come back, you know? Because the thing oh is, gosh. when he came back, he was a changed man. Because he then knew how to stop the wraith before he did it. But then once he came back, he was like, I know what I have to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe when he uh, crossed over, got the knowledge needed, came it, back. Yeah, yep. Because he's dabbled in the occult. Maybe he knew what he was doing. Maybe he said, I need to die to get the knowledge. But I mm -hmm. need to find a way to be revived. Whatever, you know, everything's muddy there. So whatever happens, the doctor was in on it. He came back from the dead and Henry says, I know what I must do. However, 
Henry is dead now. So he cannot be identified by anybody. It just so happens that Henry was supposed to be a really handsome person. But he's also had accidents prior to this. And all the fist fights that he's gone into kind of deformed his face. Made his eyes kind of bug out a little. <laughs> so that could explain some of the disfigurements that people saw in the in the Spring Hill Jack. Oh, okay. But uh, the demonry in his face. Yeah. And the devilry. Yep. But this this was a, the, the final straw. Now he really had to be... Um, he couldn't be uh, recognized. Mm-hmm. So he had to stay in the shadows. The reason why he had to stay in the shadows is because he needed to perform the worst occult ritual. You know, he brought this demon creature out into the world. He needs to bring it back through the similar methods. Okay. He needed, instead of virgin sacrifices, he needed the opposite. So-called sinful women or harlots. <laughs> Did he have to, like, kill them? Oh, yes. He needed their entrails. <laughs> oh, no. So, so his plan on saving everybody is to kill more people. <laughs> Specifically, prostitutes. He needed six of them. Six to represent the physical realm and the human soul. Okay. So, so it was a plan. So targeting uh, prostitutes, that's Jack the Ripper right there. Mm-hmm. And it's right along the timeline of the of of this thing, you of, know, once, of when he died and would later come back yes. with the knowledge to yes. stop. He would be empty. a 70-something-year-old man, so this is very plausible. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to be jumping around and doing all kinds of agility stuff. He's an old man. All he needs is a prostitute and kill her and then take her organs. And that's exactly <laughs> that's what... That's all he needs to do. <laughs> that's, and do some ritual. I don't know. I don't know that ritual. I'm not a satanic uh, <laughs> expert here victorian age <laughs> at marquee <laughs> so he needed the organs to perform this ritual to finally rid this creature of this world it's a it's a for the you know the the ends justify the means kind of thing you know i yep. mean who's gonna miss a few prostitutes you probably thought yeah the, the deaths of those women were far outweigh the ability for this entity to stay in our existence yeah However, he failed. He didn't get his six victims. He only got five. He only got five victims. I don't know what happened. Maybe he died because he was an old man. Maybe somebody caught him. Who knows? Whatever the reason, he only got up to five. The number five, by the way, represents death. And it also represents the male principle of outward action. Which (laughs) Which means that this actually gave this spirit even more power. Oh, no. He inadvertently made it stronger. <laughs> yes. Which is why <laughs> it gave the race semi-immortality. <laughs> oh, no. So that's why we still see it going into the 1900s. That's why. Not only that, but there's actually uh, this one article I found. It's the only one that I can find, really, that mentions that there were sightings in 1938 and 1945 in the U.S. And even in... Son 19- of a gun, it immigrated and, into the United States. And in the 1970s, they saw, they've seen him in the U.S. and in England at the same time. My God. That's how powerful this creature is. In 1976, a, at least a dozen residents of Dallas saw a creature that leaped across a football field. 
Not only is this creature... <laughs> what was it doing? Just Did it do anything else besides just leap across <laughs> a football field? I don't think so. <laughs> but not only... Not I only... just like the, the attribution of, oh my god, it's spring Jack. Like somebody there <laughs> knew about the story of spring yep. Jack and was like, son of a bitch, there he is. <laughs> jumping across my football field. Not only that, but this creature is so powerful that it, it, it could change its... I wouldn't say change its shape, but it, I guess it evolved to be more like what it wants to look like. Because mm-hmm. that Dallas sighting was, they said he was 10 feet tall, thin, and had long ears. Yeah, so maybe more original to his true form, not the form that he was while inside yep. uh, Henry. Yeah, Exactly. So there you have it. Henry was Jack the Ripper, and and he was an occult practitioner. Yep. Inside him embodied a malevolent spirit. Yep. It really brings every single theory (laughs) combined into one to make super theory. So, uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. Yep. Cracked the case. I Uh, did. Spring Hill Jack. So, I'd like to... uh, Disclaimer. What do you call them? The descendants of the Beresford uh, family holding the title. Please don't... (laughs) Come don't me. come at me <laughs> don't at me don't and um yeah this is all conjecture <laughs> or maybe they know they're in a oh shit they're trying to hide it from now now i gotta out. hide from the hogs and the damn <laughs> european aristocrats <laughs> you can you can never leave your apartment now nope <laughs> the, every every day closer you get to uh chief cornstalk's curse <laughs> stay inside <laughs> Maybe that Mothman sighting I had was the warning. It was legit. <laughs> it was telling it was. me, don't do uh-huh. this. He just he just once again changed his appearance to now be of a Sandhill Crane. And yeah. you just misinterpreted him Damn once it. again. That means the Mothman learned how to appear to people. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. He says, yes, He's a bird. That's saying, what I want. Don't be scared of me if I'm a Sandhill Crane. <laughs> But then now people are just like, eh, it's just a crane. It's just a bird. Not to to it. <laughs> so still continues to fail in his communication skills. Oh, my goodness. So with that all being said about Spring Hill Jack, let's jump on into the rubric of power. So as far as the powers on this end, I just got to say I'm a sucker for flame breath. And this time it comes in multiple colors. So it's even better than before. Better than the hodag. Uh, both. <laughs> blue and normal flame colors so good on you spring hill jack and there's actually a few ideas that i came up with that could explain the flames so the first of it being just in general if the entity of spring hill jack is a demon it would have some sort of insidious or some sort of insidious devil it just has this innate ability to spew fire so if it then is not that type of creature spring hill jack was often seen with a lantern So there's this idea that he had some sort of apparatus under his clothes, some sort of tube that he could control or like have something come out of the tube that would spew out. And then he'd use the lantern flame to uh, light up the substance that he blew out of this tube. It sort of just makes uh, a theory as to how that flame could be coming from him. Another thing that I saw that I uh, that I thought of, like, hmm, what could this be attributed to, uh, like, flames being shot out and maybe being misrepresented in the newspapers? The first thing that came up to my mind that would be like, 
what the hell would really confuse Victorian era people? And the first thing I thought of was flash paper, you know, like the yeah. magicians use that just piece of paper blows up and it's like, well, that was freaking crazy. Yep. So I looked into it and nitrocellulose is, or flash paper, goes back to a man named Henry Brassena in 1832. He discovered that nitric acid, when combined with starch or wood fibers, would produce a lightweight combustible explosive material, which he named xyliodine. And in the years that follow, various scientists experimented and discovered different ways to produce the magic-like paper. And then I even found online from Finn Scientific a recipe on how to make homemade flash paper. So it, looking at it, it was not very difficult at all. Are, are, are we going to try it? No, I know. Yes, yeah, science <laughs> experiment. We're doing it right now. <laughs> um, I thought it was sort of interesting that about five years prior to uh, Spring Hill Jack showing up was when that was first discovered. And then later on, other scientists started to explore on it. So it could be related to, you know, that aristocratic families could have had access to that type of material and, and produced flash paper to prank <laughs> unsuspecting uh, Londoners. So an idea. Other thing that was neat about the powers of Spring Hill Jack, so seemingly has Freddy Krueger hands. Yep. Unfortunately, though, the only purpose of them seems to be to slash at fabrics and really not much else, <laughs> except for maybe getting that virgin blood. <laughs> but other things, he, he's got ups, so that's cool. Jump extremely high. He's routinely seen jumping over walls. And while not the coolest ability, really, it is certainly unique. Really don't see that at all being attributed to anybody of just being able to jump extremely high. Yeah. Other things, he can climb walls with ease, apparently. Uh, so one of the stories that I saw was it was outside of London once Spring Hill Jack started terrorizing people back outside of London after the 1830s. He was seen, it was believed, as wearing bear furs this time. And he came up behind a guy in a garden, and the guy saw him like approaching. And then Spring Hill Jack was like, oh, he saw me. Got to get out of here. <laughs> and he climbed up like a, a sheer wall and then got onto the roof and like, stared at the guy and then ran away so <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate ability though seems to be that he can just send people into fits and just create mass hysteria so really the idea of fits like popping up over and over and over again was just intriguing to me of <laughs> like they see this guy and like just instantly your visceral reaction is it scares you so much you're like you're you're not you're just out you're, yeah can't control your body anymore Lastly, maybe if we take the idea of all those entities that Jack is associated with, like the, the white bull, the white bear that were seen prior to him getting to London, possibly either the ability to shapeshift or some sort of illusionary power to make him appear as a ghostly image. So a whole lot of things going on with Spring Hill Jack. Yep. For power, I rated him as a three above average. Wow. As well, not the most powerful it's certainly unique things that he can do. Wow. That that's interesting. I I you know, I had the same thoughts as you. Um he can jump really high. I mean, I didn't think about it until when you were talking about it for some reason, but I guess the mention of spring springing or spring shoes or something. I thought yeah. of Judge Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yes, it does have those, doesn't it? <laughs> yep. And um he's pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> Very um, much so, especially at the end, <laughs> like yes. when he's t 
takes off his mask and <laughs> yeah, is yelling at Eddie. <laughs> um, I thought of the look for the claws, uh, Freddy Krueger as well as Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, breathe fire. I think that's cool too. And red eyes. <laughs> so, yeah, I forgot about. Yeah, I didn't even mention the yeah. fireball eyes. I also gave it a three. Nice. So above average entity as far as what we got here with Spring Hill Jack. And one thing I tried to look into really was the like an explanation of the Spring Heels of just these like science behind having spring shoes and being able to jump out, like jump over a yeah. wall. I really couldn't find anything on it at all as far as anything indicating like a spring powerful enough to to do that. And yeah. then like pop pop out of a shoe and then even have the ability to like I guess reset and then spring again. So I don't know how he did it. Yeah, I I I think I read somewhere something of some shoe that had the ability to do that, but I forgot to save the link. <laughs> the only thing I ever thought of was the like in the '90s on like Nickelodeon and Oz Beyond commercial, the moon shoes. Yeah, but those things were like boxes that just had like yeah <laughs> rubber yeah. bands in them or they, something yeah so that's exactly spring hill jack had better technology than 1990s kids <laughs> did well you know you don't want those kids being too powerful i know they don't want to <laughs> jump on a roof and get stuck up there <laughs> so since we matched with power where were you with detect ability detect ability was a strange one for me because the spring hill jack's purpose was essentially to come out and be seen yeah. and to give a fright yeah send you into fits and then <laughs> run away <laughs> yeah so it's like everyone will see it but they're either too scared or they get attacked or whatever just you know either if it's a prank or or if it's a real creature attacking and then it runs away so everyone's seeing this thing but they're not able to capture it except for the copycats because they were real people Yep. And just doing stupid things like I'm Spring Hill Jack and try to call announce yeah, making announcements that uh-huh. yeah, coming in with a a club. <laughs> so I gave it a one point five. Yeah, I was on sort of the same page here as far as he's constantly just really being caught jumping out at people. So he gets that initial surprise, like, ah, I'm here yeah. and then that's just his purpose is to jump out, slash out you and then jump away and get the hell out of there. Yeah. And <laughs> the first thing that I thought of was like Spring Hill Jack here is with was Spider Man. So with great power comes great responsibility. And frankly, Spring Hill Jack has his cool powers, but he's using his powers for nefarious deeds and pretty much getting caught every single time that he tries to do something. So he's not doing well at all. Yeah. Complete wrong uh approach here, Spring Hill Jack. The uh, one other story that I, I recall I didn't write down in my notes, but there was this person that um, got brought in on like being accused as being Spring Hill Jack, and it went to trial, and eventually they couldn't like say that he was Spring Hill Jack specifically because the witness she said that he could spew fire, and they couldn't come to some sort of like basically the defense was I can't spew fire, <laughs> so therefore I'm not Spring Hill Jack was yeah. really like the defense. And the lady is like, no, he can't be Spring Hill Jack because he can't shoot, shoot fire out of his mouth. And that was <laughs> that was the entire trial. Wow. So because of that, I gave him a one, a flat one. 
Wow. He's just always getting caught. And even the copycats getting caught, <laughs> paying fines. Yeah. All around, everyone around <laughs> Spring Hill Jack. Yeah. I don't know. Easy to find, I guess. How about the lore and mystique of Jack? Probably, I would say, maybe his strongest suit. Maybe you disagree. Yes, I did disagree. Only because <laughs> I I like that the, the one you mentioned that traces origin from some other place. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't run into that, so... I did not. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, then it's a whole nother like, oh, this guy's here. And then that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did not run into that. So I did not add it to the equation. I just figured this guy just, this creature just comes out of nowhere, starts attacking women and, um, you know, kills one prostitute. And then the newspapers kind of go crazy over it. Um, And I almost feel like outside of your theory that that one slaying almost seems like an accident because it yeah. does not match up with anything else that Spring Hill Jack yeah. ever did. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> boom, I'm here. And then she like goes into fits and hits her head and or something and yeah. dies. Yeah, exactly. It was probably an accident, but bad, uh, you know, bad timing, you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just a prank, dude. Come on, get up. <laughs> you can you can get up now. <laughs> it's like, stop it's like, faking. Uh, it's like scare tactics when they did the fear <laughs> antics on scare tactics. The the pranker became the pranky. Yeah, there is not much about the the lore that was you know. There was a creative writers that added to it, like making him a superhero or whatever. But yeah, it you know it just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't seem like all that impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Didn't I, sit well with you. Yeah, I gave it a one point five. Wow. So we are very much differing in the lore and mystique of it. For me, the mystique of, of Jack is very intriguing, simply because really the theatrics of him yeah, seemingly just had an entire outfit, like you said earlier, like a supervillain, going with theory of it. If it was some sort of ghost or demonic entity, he came from hell with style. Like everything all he's pointing to is like shiny shoes <laughs> that's always polished and like the thing showed up with the shiny shoes and then swatted at you and then sprang away did you just say he came from hell uh jack the ripper movie anyway (laughs) (laughs) the entity really as as we were saying before made its way to urban london and was transforming on its way mentioned before the bull to the bear to the ghostly warrior to a fiend and then uh, for whatever reason the people of that time wanted to just seemingly apply it to all occurrences going on (laughs) Yeah. So the sightings continued. Copycats sprang out of it. So it's like unlike other things that we've looked at, like um, say Hogzilla. Like no copycats <laughs> coming out of like Hogzilla. Yeah. Like I don't know. It's uh, not the hysteria surrounding the yeah. entity like there was in in London. The public just seemed to be completely enthralled with the entity and really just waiting to the next sighting appeared in the newspapers to read about it. One sort of thing that I also looked into was the uh, literacy rate in London 1830s, just to get an idea. And I was able to find in 1840 that 77% of men were able to read and 50% of women were able to read. So an increasing number of people were able to fill an increasing amount of leisure time with reading. And the popular Gothic style books and poems and newspapers that all sort of, I think, helped build the lore and mystique of 
Spring Hill Jack because for really one of the, I guess, first times of this era, so many people were able to read about something in the newspaper and it just really caught everyone's attention. Yeah. Entire plays started to pop up that centered on Jack. It really seemed to me that London went all in on Spring Hill Jack as just being this urban like folklore uh, figure. Because of that, I gave Spring Hill Jack a four in lore and mystique. Wow. So completely different spectrums here. I'm not I'm not liking where this is heading. <laughs> Other things here after Lore Mystique, where are you on its cunning and intelligence then? So it's funny that you mentioned in the Lore Mystique the theatrics. Because mm-hmm. I took that into account for the cunning. Yeah. Because plain and simple, this this is a human. I mean we can attribute all kinds of things to a human, uh, human's intelligence. You know, he did this on purpose. He purposely targeted specific kinds of people. He knew what he was doing. You know, he knew he would get a rise out of them. I don't. Yep. I, I might go as far as to say that he knew um, it would cause mass hysteria, and uh, mm, that was all pre-planned. Yeah, all of that was you know office repeated. <laughs> yes, <laughs> from Deadly Detention. Check it out on Netflix. Yes. Um, yeah, I say things like office repeat when I'm uh, referring to somebody who plans ahead for things that probably can't be planned. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm sure he planned for the copycats, too. <laughs> yeah. So I gave... then, are you are you saying, I'm, I want to almost guess, are you giving him a four? I gave him a four, yes. Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. I think that's the highest anything's ever gotten in yep. cunning and intelligence on the rubric yeah. of power. Yep. If you're human, you're going to get an automatic four. <laughs> don't, don't hold me on that. And, <laughs> and this was very much, as I was researching it, I was like, why the hell is this thing popping up on any cryptid list? <laughs> this thing was just some dude in a costume running around yep. Victorian London and scaring the hell out of people. But I suppose even though I knew that, I still tried to look at it as, like uh, I guess, the cryptid side of it, yeah. of this this entity just being some like jumping prankster like some sort of bouncing goblin going <laughs> through the the streets of of london he seemingly made the people of the uk even dumber to try to copycat all this stuff <laughs> and then over and over and over again getting caught paying fines the, <laughs> the first thing that came up in my mind was have you ever seen that uh video of the person that yells out like hide your wife hide your kids yeah yeah, that was like the, the first thing that popped up in my mind of like, Spring Hill Jack's here. Everyone just stay inside. And he was even known, I think it was one of the stories that you told where uh, Oslop, I think was her last name. Yeah. Um, she Jane had gotten, like, I think if it wasn't her, it was the other girl that was one of the first attacks. That somebody was knocking on the door and they came to the door and she opened it and it was Spring Hill Jack like at the door. Yeah. And... He starts attacking her, and then I think maybe uh, her brother is inside the house, comes to the door, and, like, they're able to, like, get the door closed, and she's, like, helps her helps her up, and she's all, she's okay, but then the knocking on the door continues. Like, he's still, like, trying to get inside the, inside the house, so he's, like, clearly playing with them. Yeah. But I took it as, like, this guy's just out there assaulting everybody and just, like, doing... <laughs> yeah stupid shit and really in a strategic point of view 
he never changed his tactics at all. It was always the same, jump from the shadows, yeah. and then, oh, I got you, jump away. <laughs> I think one story I remember, he jumped at a, a carriage, and the carriage driver was so spooked, he, like, crashed the carriage into a wall <laughs> and, like, was injured, like, broke his leg or something like that. Yeah. And then Jack was like, oh, I got you, and jumped away on top of a roof and ran away. So because of the idea that he really never changed tactics ever, it was just the same thing over and over again for years at a time. I gave Spring Hill Jack in Cunning and Intelligence, I gave him a one. <laughs> we have our scores flipped. <laughs> so then the last thing that either going to save or kill Spring Hill Jack here. Oh, God. Impact on pop culture. The Zero. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pop he was mostly an English thing. Um, there were some few sightings in the U.S., but I'm gonna have to take it yeah from. I have I have serious concerns about the like the football thing and <laughs> it being attributed to Spring Hill Jack. Like who? How the hell did that ever come up? That that was attributed to Spring Hill Jack. <laughs> the story, you know, it gets around. I think. <laughs> I think um, there's things like. I thought maybe Jumping Jack Flash by the Rolling Stones and then the movie also named oh, that yeah. were of that. kind of... Uh, no indication, though? Um, yeah. Inconclusive? I, I looked it up, and, and apparently Mick, Jag- Mick Jagger came up with the title you know, on a whim, so it wasn't related to jump, uh, um, Spring Just using Jack. That, that Jack name again. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and there's a play, uh, play, an original PlayStation game called um, Jumping Flash... But mm-hmm. I don't know if that has any relations yeah. to that either. I sort of, I sort of feel like, as far as uh, compared to say, like MDW, Mongolian Deathworm, of being able to attribute such an iconic entity of the Mongolian Deathworm, like, maybe iconics, a hyperbole there, but saying like going affecting tremors or Dune things like that. I think that's an easy connection. But for to say. Spring Hill Jack, like, influenced all jumping figures <laughs> since is a very, very big reach. Yeah, yeah. And um, speaking of, I, I, I remember we mentioned, this is totally on the side, we mentioned there was no Hodag movie, but found, yeah. we found it. There yes. is a Hodag movie. Like, immediately after we did that episode. <laughs> yeah, so, so there is a Hodag movie, so no need to tell us that. <laughs> Of course, you're not going to find out until you hear this episode, but whatever. <laughs> and there is a Spring Hill Jack movie. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I didn't see it, but I saw the title of it. Yeah. There. Um, I was going to say maybe that influence, but it says it's it's a UK film, so it's not even... Yeah, but not even so getting I, any plays over here. <laughs> I I came at it because it, it, it kind of influenced the US with the sightings. But it really, I think it but really at did most, affect... most, like, maybe a handful then. Yeah, I think it really affected the UK. Yeah. Like, there are people that still talk about it. I mean, I threw a search for Spring Hill Jack on Twitter, and there's people still throwing out the name just because. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're just saying it. I don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> and and they're it's, all Brits. It's evolved so much in their culture. It's just, uh, <laughs> just... un unfollowable to outside cultures <laughs> <laughs> it's like some guys talking about like a, a structure and then the guy responds with spring hill jack and it's like oh okay <laughs> it's like whatever 
So I'm coming at it with the fact that you know this, uh, I guess, affected the the affected England a lot. I mean, and it did. It's in the span of the years that it occurred. I mean, you're being you're talking about over several years, over 50 years, I believe it was. Yeah, multiple decades of sightings. <laughs> of sightings of this thing assaulting people, and then then Jack the Ripper actually comes out and starts killing people, and it's like you the the the, the you know it doesn't uh, it doesn't stop. So I'm coming at it with the idea that it's like, man, these these people are like suffering from from these this Jack figure, it's, whether it's, it's like the Jack jumping one PTSD. or the or the ripping one, and the fact that <laughs> from jumping to ripping, <laughs> and the fact that some of it like kind of leaked into the states, at least to garner a sighting in the 40s and in the 70s, I gave it a, a score of two. A two? Yeah. Adequate adequate impact on popular culture. The way that I looked at it, completely echo the, this huge impact on English culture, specifically publications, the Penny Dreadfuls, pay a penny and you get this storybook. Yeah. It was said that really that Penny Dreadfuls became one of the first things to shape British pop culture at the time. And a lot of them were centered on Jack as an entity. Beyond that, I saw in the video game Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Spring Hill Jack is in the game. He is a foe that pops up from one of the missions, and I looked at some videos, and it looks so damn lackluster. It's like, <laughs> doing, doing Spring Hill Jack dirty here. Is, is he just twirling? some guy that throws smoke bombs, and then you gotta, like, <laughs> kill him as he's throwing smoke bombs at oh. you. So, very unoriginal Ubisoft. Un- uninspired. Ubisoft is still the ones that make those <laughs> games. But uh, I, I really thought, like, oh, man, he made it into a video game. It's gonna be really cool, and it was very much a letdown when I saw it. <laughs> The enigma known as these cryptids being beers continues on. And I, I still want to go back and mention because I forgot it uh, during the Hogzilla episode. You got me so worked up about your theory about the immortal pigs. I forgot to mention that there was a or there is a Hogzilla beer. So it has continued through every single episode of beers being related to these entities. Continues on with Spring Hill Jack. There are actually multiple Spring Hill Jack beers that bear his name. But one of them I found was very confusing. It's actually from a company called Bent Stick Brewing in Edmonton, Canada. And for their labeling on their beers, they show really the same thing on every single label. And their thing to show is a wizard, and he's holding a beer. And so it says Spring Hill Jack. You got a guy that looks like Gandalf holding a beer, and then the beer bottle's being struck by lightning. So I guess that's a thing. <laughs> I wasn't impressed. They need to... Bent Stick Brewing work on your uh on your label game it's big it's important in the craft beer industry other things that i saw that's some suggestions that pointed to spring hill jack being a central figure in setting the stage for superhero stories that we know of today being this costume entity that was roaming the streets of london and in later iterations of the character they sort of turned it around that spring hill jack was a vigilante protecting people in the streets my problem with that, though, is I sort of refute it because stories of superheroes, I mean, they go back as far as human language, really. Yeah. In written form, earliest ones, Gilgamesh, Beowulf, any epic poem, that is a story of a superhero in its most basic form, the, even the stories that we tell today. It's just all really the same thing. Because of that, I, maybe that even soured me more. I was like, <laughs> these theories being Spring Hill Jack is the central figure that all <laughs> superheroes are based on and in American culture, like no, I had his impact at a one, adequate. 
Uh, no, not one. Not adequate. <laughs> Needs worth. <laughs> Bottom of the barrel, one. Yeah, I am okay with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now, let us enter the scores for Spring Hill Jack into the algorithm. Let it do its work. Try to put it all together here, and we will see what his score is. I total mine up to a 10. You, Angel, Olympic gymnast, hopeful. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, now Lord Mayor. Uh, you added yours up to a 12. Yeah. Algorithm puts that combined average to an 11. Ooh. So, Spring Hill Jack getting a, a good attempt at the crown, but falls short. He is actually above Mothman, but just below MDW, Mongolian Deathworm. So he's sitting now as the fourth entity in our rankings out of six. Which <laughs> blows my mind since clearly this was just some dude <laughs> in a costume roaming London attacking women. I, I still do not understand the affinity to try to lump Springhill Jack in on as a cryptid. Well, he is one now because he's a spirit. <laughs> yes, yes. You made, the, you made the case. Let it live on in all future books encyclopedias of cryptids yes folks <laughs> that it is when you're writing about cryptids include my theory please <laughs> any lasting thoughts on spring hill jack your lasting opinions before we take those springs out of his heels and <laughs> set ground them <laughs> set them aside mm-hmm. um I've, I've, i'm learning a lot about the the research process in these cryptids because what ends up happening is I end up learning a lot of the side stuff going on. Like mm-hmm. with, with Spring Hill Jack, I, I, you know, get an idea of the times of how everything, you know, what was going on at the time. Like you mentioned that, you know, the Penny Dreadfuls are, yep. you know, are a big. Uh, yeah, really making their impact on culture. There. Yeah. And then the, the, the fact that, you know, people are reading more horror stories. Mm-hmm. They're, they're being written and people are getting scared. Because this is like the, f- the first time something like this has ever, you know, happened. You know, I, I look at the old... I, I have books on, on these ghost stories that were written long ago. And I'm like, reading them, is, this isn't scary. But <laughs> yeah, right? people would read these and actually get freaked out. It's like, there's one story where the guy's... Uh, his friend visits him. He says, oh, I haven't seen you in years. Come sit down. He gives him food and drink, but he doesn't drink or anything. He's just... And then the guy just talks his ears off. Ears off. The guy just sits there staring at him. And he says, "You look tired. Go to bed." He sends him to his room, his spare room. He goes to bed. The next day, he's uh, here snoring. He goes into the room, and there's nobody there, but it's still snoring. He's like, "What's going on? It was a ghost." <laughs> <laughs> and that story sent somebody into fits, and they <laughs> clapped upon the floor. Yep. But yeah, I think it's it's fascinating to think about like wow, these people, you know, they're they're reading these kinds of things the first time and and I guess it's because of it's the first time they've ever thought of something like that and it yeah. scares them. Yeah, I really thought that the whole concept of, of artificial terror being a, in industry at the time really sparking up around that time period was intriguing to me as far as never really thought of it put that way. Yeah. And how much that could influence a society as far as now there's are so many ideas being entered into like public discourse as far as what you're reading about what could be reported in the newspapers and the more that maybe that you're reading about these things could also influence your reaction to concepts or ideas that you don't quite understand or 
know what's going on and maybe could influence your you know understanding of of an event and attributing it to supernatural or just the unknown and you know then stories spread stories spread and gets in the newspaper eventually the lord mayor has to make an, a statement <laughs> on it and then it blows up after that yep very cool stuff surrounding spring hill jack but as an entity himself um i've seen better <laughs> i've seen better yeah <laughs> and his name is the hodak damn it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other things that we'd like to point out is maybe we can get a response from the spokesman of the supernatural on his opinion <laughs> as if uh, Spring Hill Jack, human, man, entity, beast, all the above or none of. <laughs> See what Jonathan Frakes has to say about the the entity known as Spring Hill Jack. Yeah, make sure to at him at Jonathan S. Frakes. <laughs> yes, a recent discovery <laughs> made uh, about Jonathan Frakes. And uh, I think that we, Angel and I were talking about, we do also want to clarify Jonathan Frakes, no way involved in this podcast at all. Uh, no, just... We're not sponsored by him. <laughs> he doesn't know we exist. Nope. Jonathan Frakes, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so beyond the beloved Jonathan Frakes, our next episode, we will be looking into the Goat Man, our very first listener request. Uh, Requests, yes, our very first listener request, the Goat Man. So keep those requests coming. We'll try to get to them as soon as possible, as long as it fills into, or as we're able to fill into our episode list. So there are several entities known all throughout the United States as the Goat Man. So I'll be taking a, a, a good look at really the overall arching enigma known as the Goat Man, and seeing how it applies to both the main figures in Maryland, Texas, maybe beyond. We'll find out. Tune in next time on another episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. Spring Hill Jack, we out! <laughs> <laughs>